Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. Right. Right. We are. are. (laughs) (laughs) It will record this time. We are on a roll. It is January the 27th, my son's birthday, and we are um, on a roll. We've done about eight podcasts, and uh, that's unusual for us because usually we don't even get time to do eight and a quarter. Yeah. And we're just going to keep this content flowing, Spence, because it's a good time of year to do it and want to get ahead of the game. So we're back, and we're now talking about supportive versus assertive leadership. Mm. And we say verses, mm. it's not really the right term. No, no. It's, let's look at it this way. We're going to talk about it on the pod, but the chasm of supportive, assertive leadership. And simply put, Spence, we've delivered some gigs recently where we've been talking to leaders about this. And it's this notion of if you had a, a spectrum of what type of leader you are mm. from ultra supportive, empathetic and compassionate and engaging people on one end yeah, to incredibly assertive, directive and autocratic on the other end mm. and holding standards and driving outcomes. Mm. And it was a spectrum. You can be anywhere on that spectrum. Yeah. Some people will generally and naturally be more assertive and drive standards and pace set and mm-hmm. be directive. Some people will be more supportive, more compassionate, empathetic, etc. Mm. We know from our research that's driven by motivators and personality types, etc. Yeah. Um, what we find, Spence, is if you're too far in either direction mm. right now, especially during a pandemic or post-pandemic with hybrid working and being one step, step removed, if you're too supportive, considerate and impassioned, I mean, this might be controversial, but I'm saying it. If you're too supportive, mm. but you don't drive standards and outcomes, that's not good. No, no. If you're too assertive and all it is about is about cracking the whip, whip and hitting with the big stick and driving outcomes... That's not good. No. So we talk a lot about the chasm of supportive, assertive leadership. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to talk about on this Okay. Okay. Good stuff. So um, firstly to you, Spence. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, God, I bet this will be an interesting question. Mm. Even still today, on the whole, across every client we work with, do you, would you say you see more assertive leaders or more supportive leaders? Or is that just impossible to... Uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I think it's a really good question, Martin. I think it's a really good question. I think that it depends on what that customer is, what organisation that customer belongs to. Or industry, environment. Yeah, well, I think I chop it down into the two. So you'll know exactly what I'm saying is... When we're talking about the assertive leader, probably a growth industry. Yeah, very aggressive growth, sales-led type business where metrics and targets and goals are everything. Yeah. 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 And then for the the um, more supportive, empathetic leader, they're more of a, you know what, we've got customers, we're quite happy where we are, we're in comfortable situation, we do have, we do grow, but... You know what? We want to keep. We want to. We want our people to feel safe. We want our people to feel good. So the the more focused on the people than 
the actual because you know what it's not as if they have they're chasing customers yeah so if I, if we simplify this into some of our other content when we work with organizations from a sales and customer service perspective we generally work with them on the principle that you can either be a sales led sales led growth driven organization mm-hmm. you know and that is this never ending cycle of we're doubling we're growing we're increasing revenue we're increasing profits we're increasing market share what comes with that is from a top-down approach, very targeted, very metric-driven organization where it's about delivering the number and it's about delivering the objectives. That generally then comes with more pressure and expectation, which generally comes with more assertive leadership. And then we've got what we call demand-driven organization. So not sales-led or growth-led, it's demand-driven. So we are we do a certain thing in a certain space. We have some set customers and a, a customer base. And it's about, you know, keeping those customers, servicing those customers, et cetera. And therefore, because it's not as an aggressive from a growth and, and, mm. and sales-led perspective, that they, they have more opportunity in the environment to be more supportive mm. as leaders. Yeah. It's still not an exact science because you can still get... Yeah. The, the dictator in, in a demand-driven business, and you can still get the people-focused person in a sales-led business. But we do see that environments drive drive this. But mm. if we just go back and sort of say, right, any organization, whether you're sales-led or, sales-led or demand-driven, you can have assertive leaders or supportive leaders or, or any be anywhere on that spectrum. Yeah. So what's optimal? Right. Like, let's let's table that question. Mm. Is it better to be an assertive leader who drives standards and holds people to account and gets shit done, mm-hmm. to simplify the language? Yeah. Or is it better to be a people's person who galvanizes individuals who people want to work for, even if sometimes shit doesn't get done? Well, that's a really good <laughs> question. I think it's, I personally think that uh, it does depend. If you're a leader, I suppose it depends on who your people are. It's a loaded question, in Spence. It. In it. It's a loaded it. question. Of course, the answer is the middle ground. The best leaders we work with, first salient point of the pod, the best leaders we work with are in that chasm of assertive, supportive leadership. They cater for both. Hmm. They are firm, but fair, to use the old analogy. Yeah. They are... They manage process tasks and activities to ensure execution, but they lead people Mm. and engage them. It's not easy to do, right? But those who we observe who are very, very good are both credible and respected through performance because they get stuff done. Mm. They hold people to account, but they're also admired and followed by their people because they get the supportive element of leadership, right? Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this, you are absolutely deluded. <laughs> you can tell it's half two and I've given up on d- diplomacy. Yeah. Um, I've had so many meetings and one-to-ones and sessions this week that I'm just shooting from the hippiest fence. If you are sat there thinking, oh, Martin, that chasm of assertive or supportive leadership, do you know what? I'm banging that. You're deluded. I sit here today doing this for a living and I'm not in that chasm. Mm. I'm telling you that now. I am far more on the assertive style of leadership, naturally. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the endorsement, Spence. <laughs> right. But I am. I'm, I know how I'm wired. I know how I'm driven. I know what I want to achieve. My default position, therefore, is to tell and to command and to 
set targets and ask questions and want to drive outcomes and all the rest of it. I've got the attention span of a gnat. I've got the patience of, well, I haven't got any. No, no. <laughs> right? So I'm an assert- more of an assertive leader, right? However, I understand that I have to balance that with being supportive and being empowering and all of that great stuff and compassionate and empathetic. But mark my words, it's a co- conscious decision for me to step into the chasm. Hmm. It doesn't. I don't get there without thinking about it. Put it that way. Yeah, but it's. But even though, and and this isn't. A, I'm not sort of blowing sunshine up you or anything like Go that. Go on then. No, I won't. <laughs> but because you're, be, yes, you've got to make a conscious decision. But it's not that difficult for you because you're quite emotionally intelligent. And I think that's because we do this for a living. Hmm. So when you open your mind and your eyes up to the fact of, oh, actually, there's a better way, and you live and breathe that every day, then you start forming a habit of it yourself, which mm. then it becomes more easy. But I am absolutely still vulnerable to being triggered into the far extreme of assertiveness. Oh, yes. Within a second, right? Mm-hmm. So um, stepping into the chasm is one thing. Staying there under pressure and duress is another thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to this, I'm, t- I'm telling you now, you will resonate more with one side of the fence. You will either be more amiable, collaborative, uh, peace and harmony, you'll either want to avoid conflict uh, and people to get along and you'll want to bring people along the way. You'll mm-hmm. either be more of that ilk or you'll be a little bit more wired in the way where you've got no patience, you just want to get stuff done at a pace, you know what you're doing, you've got an unbelievable belief in personal power and that's the most efficient way to lead a team, yeah. right? And anywhere in between. Mm. And you know what? If you are sat there and thinking, no, I genuinely do straddle to the but the two. Mm. I genuinely think naturally I straddle to well, bloody well done you. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're one of the minority. Yeah. You're one of the minority, because very few <laughs> of us are like that, right? <laughs> However, the chasm of supportive assertive leadership lies in your ability to drive standards, outcomes on on your, you know, your area, drive accountability. Be directive, drive urgency and pace where needed, but also lead your people, be supportive, empathetic, and bring them on the journey with you. If you can do that, that's where you want to be. And we use this saying, don't we? You have to build up your credits Mm. to earn the right to deliver the tough message. Mm. And you build up your credits on the supportive side to earn the right to deliver the tough message on the assertive side. Yeah. When it's time, when it's appropriate, you can drop in there. Say what you've got to do. We say what you've got to say. Throw the grenades in or whatever. But as you said, the people because you've uh, you've built those credits up on one side, the people are willing to run through walls for you. Yeah, I think so. Let's talk about the pandemic and post-pandemic mm-hmm. and moving into hybrid and remote-based working. So, uh, what shifted? So, granted, given the fact that we've just discussed that naturally you'll be somewhere on on that. Sp- on that spectrum and you'll have to take a conscious step into the chasm is the additional added pressure of the pandemic where now we have the majority of our teams working from home yeah, yeah. across the country across the world you know, one step removed uh, it's not as easy anymore to lead right mm. so what we found is leaders have gone in one of two even more extreme directions so the more collaborative, supportive leaders have wanted to cater for their staff and their teams even more so than ever. Mm. So they've gone like ultra supportive, 
which has made them sometimes drop off on the accountability piece. Yeah. Because first and foremost, we need to be concerned about COVID, uh, you know, team welfare, mental health, family situations, whatever it might be. And then sometimes the assertive leaders who have been used to having their teams in sight, mm. in the office, driving outcomes, they've got ultra nervous because now they're one step removed, which has removed their influence somewhat. Mm. So they've overcompensated and have started micromanaging remotely. Yeah. So micromanaging remotely, this is real sort of managing inputs rather than outputs. Yeah, because you get nervous and hesitant as if, you know, if stuff's getting done. Mm. So you tend to just drop that WhatsApp message a little bit more. You Mm. just email a little bit more than you usually do. Mm. Just pick up the phone a little bit more than you usually Mm. do. They need to have 5 million team meetings a week just to check on progress, right? (laughs) You know, there's all this sort of stuff creeping in. So we've, we're seeing a bit of a, a shift in there's people who are going too, too anxious and assertive and micromanaging, which is disengaging their people. Hmm. And there's people who are getting ultra supported and so much compassion. And it's almost like they're dictating the pace at which they work and what hours they work and all that great stuff. And if we're not doing, and that's great because it works, but if you're not doing that whilst also being clear on your objectives, expectations and timeframes and driving outcomes, your mm. standards and, and performance can just dip and slip. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So the chasm to reach the chasm is even more important in a hybrid world, Right we have got to be empathetic and supportive of our people, especially if they're working remotely with kids at home Mm. or, you know, through a pandemic with COVID or people have got elevated levels of anxiety about coming back into the office and physical spaces. But we need to be crystal clear on what the organization still requires of them and make sure that we hold accountability and, and drive those outcomes together. Yeah. And for those of you who are hating this remote based, (laughs) hybrid world where you just want to get back into the office with your team and get some routine going. Yeah. You just got to check yourself if you're, if, if you get, if you're coming on too strong or you're micromanaging too much, or you're putting too many meetings in the diary. Um, the, the, the center ground, the chasm is where you want to be. Mm. And and I suppose this is, it's going to take a certain amount of honesty and a bit of, a bit of awareness, quite a bit of awareness to, to, to actually go, right, okay then. Because it's so easy for people to justify why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, it is. And listen, you know, you've got different personalities in your team as well. So you mm. need to you need to sort of do a little bit of a an analysis, a bit of a think around what does that middle ground look like for each of my six team members? Because it might be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's use this as an example. We've already established I'm, from a print profile perspective, if this doesn't mean anything to anybody, but I'm an 8-3, strong and self-reliant, succeed and achieve. Yeah. It means that I'm more of an assertive leader than supportive at times if I'm not thinking about it. So um, i, I got to put me in the equation, but then I look at you. Mm-hmm. I look at Lydia. I look at Claire, Dave, Victoria, Tracy, Katie, the full team. And I go, well, you're all different as well. So if we was working in a remote-based world, what do you need from me versus mm-hmm. what does Dave need from me? Yeah. How does that dynamic play out? How do we, how do I straddle supportive and assertive with you might be slightly different to the way I do it with Claire. Yes. However, it's still striking the right balance with that individual. So there's a little bit of an element of different personality styles that you've got to consider. But for example, like Dave might just go, 
Just tell me. Tell me what you need of me. Be, be don't beat around the bush. Just tell me what. And if I'm not if I'm not achieving it, call me out on it. Yeah. Right. Whereas, for example, Katie or Victoria might be completely different. That approach with them of being shooting from the hip and calling them out might not be the right thing. Yeah. It might be more of a supportive leadership style that they mm. prefer. So their chasm is probably far more on the left-hand side than what Dave's might be. Yeah. So it's about just assessing the individual as well hmm. and going, where am I with this person and how do I find that middle ground? Yeah. And 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 just, just it's, it's really, I think it's really important to state that as much as you might find the middle ground, as much as you might search for the middle ground, as much as, you know what, this particular person needs a little bit more support than than other people, be under no illusions, those outcomes need to be achieved. They need to be achieved. You can't you can't avoid the outcomes. You can't avoid the what you need to achieve, the results, whatever they need to be. They need to be there. They need to be achieved. Well, but it's it's but you've got to do it in a in an empathic way. Yeah. It's got to be a challenge state way, not a threat state yeah, way. Yeah. Like to, to use our language. And I think um, you know, you look at you look at our trust-based leadership equation, yeah. right? You know, you look at the three elements of that, which is a leader generally has to have three elements with their people to be wholeheartedly trusted and people mm. will punch through walls for you. And that is you've got to be credible, credibility, mm. got to be reliable, yeah. and you've got to have high degrees of rapport. Mm -hmm. So when you think about this chasm of supportive, assertive leadership, those those three things are literally the ingredients of it because if you're super credible, i.e. the only the only way a leader becomes credible, right, is if A, you know what you're doing, you're good at the job, you've got the knowledge. B, you drive outcomes and results. Mm. Right? So that assertive side of assertive supportive leadership is all about credibility. You're gonna mm. become credible. Yeah. It's not that you're gonna become overpowering or autocratic, you're only going to become credible if you are able to drive outcomes and results and you're seen as successful. Mm. So reliability, you know, you're only going to be reliable if you can both deliver for me, your team member, but you also deliver for the organization. Yeah. And then rapport. Do you have a high degree of rapport with me? Do you get to know me? Do you know what makes me tick? Can you get in my world? Do you cater for my needs? That's the supportive bit. Yeah. So if you sat there listening to saying, you know, how do I get to this chasm of supportive and assertive leadership if I'm more on the assertive side or supportive side? Look at those three elements. Credibility, reliability, plus rapport. And look at that those three elements with each of your team members. Hmm. Because if you have them in abundance, if you've got credibility and reliability in equal measure to high degrees of interpersonal rapport, you'll be probably naturally hmm. getting it right. Yeah. And, and and coming back to challenge and threat state, remember, challenge state is when we are driving outcomes and mm. we, you know, the, the pressure's on, but we're focused on what we can achieve on how we're going to do that together. Mm. Threat state is when we're starting cracking the whip on what people must not do. Yeah. We can't afford to miss target this month. We must not fail, right? Mm. And that's driving a threat state. So, you know, part of getting to the chasm and support of assertive leadership is the challenge state mantra. Certainly. Certainly, I, I think, uh, yeah. If we and if we can, if we can get ourselves in that, I mean, it, it's not easy. 
it's not easy. Some of us who are more prone to one or the other behaviour, more more sort of dedicated to that, if you like, we're going to find it challenging. And we and when we find things challenging, we can find things threatening, so we can get all emotional about it. So we've got to start being a bit aware, being present, yeah. realising what's driving this behaviour. Is it because I'm trying to be more sportive when I'm actually really quite sort of assertive? Yeah. I think the other last thing for me to add into this mix of uh, where we are right now with this is visibility versus the lack of visibility. So without question, we know from neuroscience that 60, up to 60, 65% of our influence is nonverbal. Hmm. You know, and when you're working together in person, whether it's on site, in an office, wherever it is, you have that 65% of ability to read body language, facial expressions, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those picking up on those nonverbal cues. Mm. Uh, And also as a leader, when you're trying to drive outcomes and have productive discussions, that, 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 that's immense, that Mm -hmm. 65%, right? In a, in a hybrid remote world to a pandemic, you lose that ability and and sitting on Zoom and Teams is not the same. You are not picking Mm -hmm. up on body language and nonverbal communication through a, a digital screen. You're just not. So um, leaders sometimes lose the ability to be naturally assertive with motivation and inspiration mm. because they're not in, in, in front of people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really difficult for them. And that's why I think we've drifted across sometimes to, to, to being overly supportive and accommodating. And that's why we're maybe not holding people to standards and accounts as much through the pandemic. Mm. Um, But for example, where can you now going forward as things get better? Balance, giving people the flexibility to have the ability to work from home or remote or wherever it is, whilst having those opportunities to get together in proximity and be visible. Mm. Uh, And, you know, you can't be stacked in either direction. You can't demand that everybody's in 40 hours a week. (laughs) And you can't always just say, well, we're going to work from home forever. You might make that call as an organization. Data and early research shows us that in either extreme, Mm. there's there's cons. Yeah. So where you can be visible and make time to be visible, it unlocks that 60, 65% of your influence. Right. Okay. And of course, you've got the hybrid working, which is a bit of both. Yeah. But, um, well, ultimately, mm. hybrid is the answer. Hmm. But what we're finding is people are going too rigid with that. How do you mean? Well, if you know, hybrid working is a notion that we're going to work sometime at home, yeah, sometime on premise. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be flexible, here's what a hybrid truly means it's your call, as in, whatever the situational relevance of your job, whatever you need to do you should make that call and do it. I mean, it's got to come under ultimate trust, right, Spence? But I'm saying if you need to be in the office five days this week, Spence, because your job requires you to be there, you've got to make that call. And then the next week, you might not need to be in for three days. So you make that call. The week after, it might be two and three. What I'm finding organizations are doing, because they can't get it right, they go, right, we're going to do three and two. But that then creates a more rigid approach Mm. because leaders, managers, teams don't are now not responding to what's situationally relevant for the business and for my customers and for the job. It's, oh, I've done three days in the office this week. I better take Thursday, Friday's me two days at home. 
or vice versa. Mm. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, very much so. The yeah. problem managers and leaders and board members have is if they don't put any rules and regulations around it and it's entirely based on trust, maybe their level, their organization are not mature enough mm. to to deliver that against that, which creates a performance issue. So the biggest dilemma I think we're going to have going forward is if we're going to offer hybrid working and truly be flexible flexible with it, you can't really do that in the bounds of a rigid structure of a two and two and one or a two mm. and three or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, what you've got to say is do what is situationally relevant. If you need to be in the office this week because you've got client meetings and calls and one-to-ones with your team and that requires you to be more face-to-face, then make that call. Mm. If you've got a, a week where you can be remote, make that call. However, it's not simple. No, It's not simple. And I think many organizations are finding the way with this and trying different methodologies to arrive at what it, And then you've got this dichotomy of what happens when you run an organization where you've got genuinely functions where they can be at home mm. all day long to do their job, but you've got on-premise workers who they work in a factory or for the emergency services and they've got no yeah. option. And then mm-hmm. it builds resentment because they go, well, why am I working this many hours a week on premise when they're sat at home having flexi time and it creates resentment. Obviously we've got to be better than that. And we've got to be more mature. We've got to categorize our workers. We've got to understand that there's certain on-premise workers versus not, but I don't think many organizations have found the perfect way yet with hybrid working. For me, the utopia is ultimate trust. You make the call Hmm. because your job is not always falling into a three and a two or a two and a two, you know. But if that's the starting block to set some boundaries, and this mm-hmm. is what I will say to finalize this, to to find your way with it and get to the point to the point, if it's a three and two guideline, then I think that's a really good guideline to work with. However, what I'd like organizations and leaders to be doing is to be having sensible conversations around but just because we're setting the guidelines of we expect visibility, so a three and a two gives us hybrid working, make the right call. Yeah. Don't stick in it religiously and think, I've even had instances where they've done that and then someone's worked four days one week, so they've asked for an extra day at home the week after. So they've gone, oh, hang on a minute, I didn't do a three and a two this week, I did a four and a one, so can I have a four and a one in four days at home, one day in the office next week? I just think you're getting into the realms of... Mm. I mean that that's not what that's not what it's about. No, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. I think and it, and it works in either direction. So um, yeah, that that is going to create some complexity, but we need to think about it and work through that as with our teams and with our leaders. Yeah, yeah. But coming back to the point, Spencer, mm. a few minutes left. The chasm of supportive assertive leadership. Don't be too far in either direction. Right. We've got to manage process tasks and activities and hold people to account. That's what the best organizations are doing through the pandemic. Mm. But we've got to lead our people and engage them and support them. Build up your credits to deliver the tough message or to ask for commitment. Uh, If you do that, you won't go too far wrong. Yeah. Top job. Top job makes a lot of sense. Awesome. I think we'll leave it there. All right, dude. Spencer Locker, thank you very much. Martin Johnson, always a pleasure. Never a chore. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.